All right, let's go ahead and take our Bibles. Turn over to, um, I'll tell you what, for right now, turn to 1 John 4, 4. It's 1 John 4, 4. We're going to look at that real quick, and then we're going to move along here. I did want to give you just a couple of announcements that I don't see in the bulletins or anything. Next Sunday morning, this coming Sunday morning, I kick off a new series called Finish Strong. And so we're going to be looking at some messages that kind of emphasize and kind of focus on that idea to finish strong. You know, how many people start strong but don't finish strong? And how many teenagers start right but don't finish right? How many adults begin their Christian life on fire for God and then before it's over with, they fizzle out, you know? And uh, we want to finish strong, amen? I mean, when I say finish, I mean right to death. I mean right to the time where either we're called up in the rapture or we close our eyes in death. We need to finish strong, amen? So we're going to just focus on that thought, finishing strong. And then don't forget about Saturday, August the 3rd. We have our Lifted Up Ministries again. Be ready with your elevator speeches if you are involved in that. And we'll be going on that, I believe it's August the 3rd, this coming Saturday at 6.30. You don't want to miss that, all right? So let's go ahead and get that going as well. All right, secrets of successful living. That's what we've been dealing with. And we've been dealing with the secret of abiding joy. And so we've spent some time dealing with that. Today, fellas, if you would, go ahead. We're just going to show this real quick. I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm do, you're really going to use PowerPoint tonight more than anything. But uh, I wanted to um, take just a minute and kind of ask a couple questions before we really get things moving into the lesson itself or the message itself. But first of all, I I have this picture up there. You're going to see it says Jesus Christ right there. I want you to know the circle represents you and I, and that's Christ in us. And the question is, how big is God in your life? Now, I want to ask you a couple other things. Number one, I wonder, what kind of things steal our joy? What kind of things steal our joy in the Christian life? Anybody have any comments? I want you to tell me, okay? You're going to help me teach a little bit. Anybody, what, what things will steal our joy? In the, I'm sorry, you need to raise your hand. No yelling out. This is a classroom, please. All right? You won't get called on because you were a bad girl. All right, I'll give you one more chance. Go ahead. A car, a car accident. That makes for a bad day, too. But anyway, yeah, that, I mean, I, I guess the outcome of that car accident could make steal our joy, amen? And obviously you've been there, I know, unfortunately. So it can, and no doubt about that, it certainly can. All right, you, did you have something, Brother Dave? When you're around a bunch of negative people or negative things, yeah, that, that could do it. Now, again, you could write these in on the side, you know, if you had a piece of paper like that, but you don't. But anyway, we're, we're talking about, you know, okay, maybe something else, please. Yeah, go ahead. You guys are getting really way out there, okay? I mean, could we really just keep it simple, the stuff that I know about? Okay, no, but no, I, I get it. You're right. No, that's no doubt about that. I mean, if you've been through something difficult and now you're dealing with stress and you're dealing with, yeah, that, that definitely will steer your joy in a minute. Uh, yeah, go ahead, the visitor right there. Chronic pain, Chronic pain will definitely steal your joy, won't it? Yeah, that, that can definitely do it if you're not careful. No doubt about it. It certainly can. Okay, Brother Mike's had his hand up, and I know if and I'm not, I don't call on him, he'll talk for the next 20 minutes in the next go rally. Go ahead, Brother Mike. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, let's, let's more, a little more specific, maybe. That too. Okay, so, all right, all right go, go ahead. Yeah, you guys are really deep right now. You're really kind of general. I'm kind of wanting specific things, okay? Fear will do it. Oh, yeah, fear. Fear will do that. that that's a specific. That's pretty good, too. I like that. Yeah, very good. Guilt, guilt can steal your joy, right? Fear, guilt. Um, oh, we got, we got a young lady there. Go ahead. 
Yeah, if you're depressed. Yeah, and there's a number of things that can cause depression. So no doubt about that. Over here. Okay, your finances at times. Finances in your life can cause some of that. Maybe you're struggling to pay your bills. Maybe you just lost a job, something like that. Sure, in the back. Yeah, but just the news itself can be so discouraging. Absolutely, it can steal your joy. No doubt about it. The news can do that. Mr. Jerry. Illness, yeah, absolutely. Whether it's chronic or not, illness can definitely do that. Yeah, and everything that I'm hearing is right. So a couple of those were just so general that I was trying to get a little more specific. Now that you know what it is, I'm sure every one of you can come up with a bunch of them. Okay, right, right here. Worry, yeah, absolutely. Worry will do that, won't it? Worry can steal your joy, without a doubt. Yeah, see, now David's on. He's figuring it out. David's ready to jump on board now with both feet. Good job, David. You're a quick learner. All the way in the back. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that will do it too, absolutely, especially if you have to pay the consequences, and that, that's definitely something that could steal your joy, <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, it okay, just, just a couple more real fast, because we're, we're just kind of going quickly. Okay, that's good. Nobody wants to be the last one. Go ahead. Yeah. Anger can do that, no doubt about it. Yeah, you get angry about things, it'll steal your joy just like that. Absolutely. And then one more. Doubt, yeah, maybe doubt, even maybe doubting your own salvation or, or doubting the existence of God or, uh, yeah, those kind of things. That, that definitely could steal your joy, no doubt about it. And so what we find then is there's a number of things. Now, what I want you to realize is you look at the picture, you got yourself and you got Christ in you, okay? Now, we're just, we're dealing with children of God. We're dealing with those that are saved, born again, those that have received and accepted Christ. He literally takes up residency in our lives, right? So he lives in us. And we know that Jesus Christ is joy. So if we have Jesus Christ in us, then the joy is in us already. Now, here's the thing. Notice again that outside the circle is where every one of those other things that we just talked about land. Every one of them lands outside the circle. That means they're outside of you. That means it's not internal, it's external. External things can steal your joy. But the problem is you've got to realize and you have to always be reminded that Jesus Christ is the joy. And we're going to see here in our lesson, of course, when we start talking about how to get joy, that you need Christ because Christ is joy. And so if Christ is in you, the bottom line is this. The reason we don't have joy then is because we're allowing exterior forces to steal the joy in us already. We're not allowing Christ to reign supreme enough. We're not focusing enough attention on him. We're not looking to him enough. We're allowing those things around us to become so large and so big. And here's the bottom line. The size of your problems are in direct proportion to the greatness of God in you. The size of your problems are in direct proportion to the greatness of God in you. See, if he is big, your problems will appear small. If he is small, your problems will appear big. So here's the next thing then. And, and we look at, first, first of all, 1 John 4, 4. If we take just a moment and we would look at 1 John 4, 4, we're, we're going to read an important passage. Turn there, would you? You're already there. 1 John 4, 4. Who's there that'll read it in the King James Bible? Want somebody? Um, Brother Hill, can you read? I was asking a question, not telling you to do it. No, I'm teasing, brother. Go ahead. Sorry. 1 John 4, 4. Yes, sir. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you, brother. We've overcome the world because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Right? I mean, that, so, so basically what we're seeing is exactly what I said. If he's big, then your problems will appear small. If he's small, your problems will appear big. So here's the bottom line then. 
Here's the real bottom line. Oh, I got to turn this on, don't I? Here we go. When you say God, how big is he? I mean, when you actually say God, how big is he? I mean, we got the guy on the far left over there. He says, I believe in God. Notice how little his God is. Then the next guy, I believe in God. His God's bigger than, than, than the first guy's, but it's not as big as the last guy. The last guy says, I believe in God. So the first guy says, I believe in God. The other one, I believe in God. I believe in God. My question is, how big is your God? Because when it's all said and done, if you lack joy in your life, it's really not because so many circumstances are, are, are in your life. It's not because so many negative things are even around you. And, and those things, don't misunderstand me, we're human, we're flesh, and we can allow those things to, to, to happen and, and ultimately steal our joy. But that shouldn't be the case. The real reality is, is when we lose our joy, it's because our God's not big enough. At least not in our own eyes. John 15, 11 is our passage for, our, our, uh, for this particular lesson in the series. It says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Again, these words were spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ at a very interesting, at a very important time in history. As a matter of fact, he uttered them just a very short time before he would be facing his accusers. Before you'd be hearing the crowds cry, crucify him, crucify him. And yet there Jesus made that statement, my joy. Well, that's a pretty unique and a pretty unusual kind of joy, at least the kind of, from our perspective, isn't it? I mean, here's someone that's going to be betrayed, and here's someone that's going to be uh, put before a mock, a mock trial. Here's someone that's going to be falsely accused, and ultimately, he's going to literally lose his life, be hung on a cross, and die. And yet he's talking about his joy. How's that possible with those circumstances? He wants that kind of joy in each of our lives. And that's why he says that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Because when his joy is in us, when he is in us, then our joy is full. Charles Spurgeon, we made the statement, we've read it before, but I want to read it again. He said, there is a marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful, but this, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious. One dolorous, and that means sorrowful or dismal, sorrowful or dismal. So he says, one sorrowful or dismal spirit brings a kind of plague into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds from singing wherever he goes. But the grace of joy is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over the lives of others. Well, I'll tell you what, what we said was that you break it all down. Spurgeon saying joy equals positive influence. No joy, negative influence. And boy, do we need a positive influence in our homes. We need a positive influence in our churches. We need a positive influence in our culture, in our communities. Joy. That joy is Christ's joy. So how can we have this joy? How can we have this joy? I want to give you four simple things. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll look at them. Father, we come to you. We ask for your leadership. And Father, we thank you for your love. We ask that you would lead us now through the word of God and may you encourage us and inspire us. 
And may we, Father, truly experience joy in our lives. Thank you for providing it, making it possible. Now help us, Lord, to just apply it now and to truly allow it to, to, to have place in our lives, to allow you to have place in our lives. Well, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so obtaining fullness of joy. How are we going to do that? We said these things have I spoken unto you that my joy that might remain in you and that your joy might be full. First of all, by having him. That's the first way, by having him. And again, it's somewhat, I know that we've talked about this a little bit already. We discussed it to some degree, but boy, I tell you what, you don't see the pictures as good when I had them on my screen. And I even lightened them up just a little bit ago so that you wouldn't be so overwhelmed by them. But anyway, what's really going on there is Philip. We'll talk about Philip in just a moment. But we're going to see that by having him. Now, that, that deep down, that abiding joy is Christ's joy in our life. That's just a reality. See, the only way that you and I can have joy in our life is by having him. In Acts chapter 8, verse 8, the Bible goes on to, to make a statement. It says, there was great joy in that city. Philip went down to Samaria, and there he's, he's, he's there in, in Samaria, and they have this tremendous revival break out. And the Bible talks about the end result, and it says, there was great joy in that city. Why was there great joy in the city? Well, in verse 5 of chapter 8, it tells us why. Because Philip preached Christ to them, it says. Philip preached Christ to them in Samaria, and as a result, they received Christ, and now there's great joy in the city. Why? Because Christ is there. It's all about Christ. It's always about Jesus. We also see in Acts chapter 8, verse 39, again, remember Philip now, he's whisked away, and he ends up out there in the wilderness, in the desert, if you will, and he sees an Ethiopian eunuch, tooling around right on down the desert road there, and, and he comes upside his chariot, and he asks him the question, you know, knowest thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you're reading there? And of course, we know that he did not understand, and as a result of that, Philip climbs up in that chariot. Boy, he begins to expound to him the word of God, and so we find later on in the passage, in, in verse 39, it says that the eunuch, uh, it's a, that the eunuch went, went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing. Again, I mean, we're not going to split hairs here. If I'm rejoicing, I'm feeling some joy, I think. And so he went on his way rejoicing. Why was that? Why did he go on his way rejoicing? Verse 35 tells us, because Philip preached unto him Jesus. He preached unto him Jesus. If you want to possess his joy, and his joy is the key to real joy, lasting joy, eternal joy even, then you have to possess him. As we said before, it's impossible to know real joy, lasting joy, without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But may I say, we forfeit the joy that God intends for us when we fail to involve ourselves and, and, and interact with Christ the way we ought to. It's one thing to know about Him. It's another thing to possess Him in a, a very personal way. I know that we can be saved and we can still wander off. We can't wander off if we want that kind of joy. You have to stay close to the Savior. He is joy. And so if you want that kind of abiding joy, then you have to have Him. So first of all, by having Him. Number two, yeah, those really didn't turn out good. Okay, so by reading His Word, there's a, a, a Bible up there and there's a sword. It's looking really sharp. That looks like the Bible most of us carry to work. But anyway, did you like that one? 
Are you listening? I got a couple of you being listening because you went, oh. <laughs> Some of you probably just got offended. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, by reading his word, when we read the Bible and receive the truth, guess what? We experience joy. We talked about that already. Boy, I'll tell you what, the word of God, there's so much, the, the, the word of God, getting in the word of God brings joy in our life. Uh, we, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, he says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. We wrote some things to you, so your joy may be full. I'll tell you what he wrote. They wrote the word of God. God used them, in his, and, and, and the Bible tells us that he used these holy men of God. They, were, they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They literally penned the word of God. They were just instruments in the hand of God. But may I say that God left this word so that we can experience and we can know joy firsthand. His joy. John chapter 17, verse 13. If you think I'm flying, it's because I have just short time left. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. I mean, again, the word of God, John 17, 13. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. Well, let me ask you, how important is it to have both Christ and his word? Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I know believers who don't pick up the book. Oh, they've got Christ, but they don't have the book. Oh, I know they believe it's the word of God and they'll say that the reason I know I'm saved is because I invited Christ to my life and I did, but I don't read the Bible like I should. I'm not really studying the word of God. I don't memorize it ever. I don't really uh, involve myself with the Bible that much. Matter of fact, right now I've got a beef. I'm not even in church. I'm not in the Bible. I'm not in prayer. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm a Christian. Can I tell you, they can't experience joy. You, you can't neglect the word of God and experience the kind of joy that God intended you to. Because Jesus Christ and the Word are synonymous. They're one. You can't have one without the other. Now, you might be saved. I'm not going to question that. But you're not, don't tell me you have this, this joy in your life, this Christ-like joy in your life, this abiding joy in your life, if you're never in the Word of God, if you're not consistent in this book. That's not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. Now, you may get a new job and you can have some temporary joy, so to speak. But really, in the long run, that's not real joy. Joy should be permanent. Joy is something that should go beyond exterior forces. Like we said, those things on the outside shouldn't affect that interior joy because Christ is in there. But you have to let Christ sit on the seat or the, the throne of your life. You've got to give him priority and you've got to give him preeminence if you really want him to fill you and to give you the joy that you're seeking. How many Christians have you talked to that wonder whether or not the Christian life's even worthwhile? How can that be? How can you ask that question? Unless you're not in the word like you should be. And you're not in that walk and that relationship with Christ as you ought to be. I don't care if you trusted Christ the child or as a teenager or maybe a young adult or even later in life. The fact is, is if we're not allowing the word of God to, to not, just, not just getting in the word, but letting the word of God get in us, then my friend, they're going to be lacking this joy. I know, I've known Christians throughout my whole life and and i've been in this situation myself where you 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 are lacking joy because christ is so small at that point in your life boy you got to get in the word you want to find him you got to help 
He's got to get bigger in your life. Guess where you find those promises that prove to us that he's real? Guess where you see the word of God describe him and explain who he is and what he can do and what he will do on our behalf? We want to get in the book and I want to see, I want to read about him parting the Red Sea again. I want to read about how he gave David grace to overcome Goliath. I want to see how those men and women of God overcame their problems and had victory in their lives. It brings joy. It's important that we have Christ and his word. Number three, not only did we say already by having him or by reading his word, but by submitting to him. Somebody mentioned when we were talking about that, somebody mentioned about basically being disobedient or not doing the right things. And um, boy, that's, that's the truth in the Christian life as well. Over there in the book, uh, in, in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 21, turn there, would you please? Luke chapter 10, verse 21. Somehow I got, that got mixed up, boy. Oh, boy, did that get mixed up. Okay, let's see something. That's the slide I should be on. That should say number three. But it shouldn't say the Holy Spirit. It should say by submitting him. So subtract submitting him, go to Holy Spirit, then go back to that later. (laughs) See how clear I am on my teaching? (laughs) Just want to make sure you're watching and listening here. Wow, that's... Now let's see there. That's not really right either. You're going to take Luke 10, 21, and you're going to put it where Galatians 5, 21, and 23 should be. You're going to put Galatians 5, 22, and 23 where Luke 10, 21 should be. Okay, you got it now? All right, praise the Lord. All right, I'm glad we're all on the same sheet of music. So forget about that verse up there right now. Anyway, Luke chapter 10, verse 21. He says, in that hour, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemeth good in thy sight. Now, again, this seems a little bit interesting. I mean, it's kind of unusual. You say, why would God hide anything? Why wouldn't God reveal all things? Why wouldn't God want everyone to to know the truth? Well, here's the reality of it. And if you go into the book of Matthew, start in chapter 13, you have what I call the terribles. Not the parables, the terribles. And the terribles are there because you had uh, religious leaders who were trying to trip Jesus up. And so what Jesus did was he began to talk to them in parables. Why? Because he said, you know what, if you're not going to come to me honestly and sincerely, then guess what? I'm going to hide the truth from you. I'm going to blind your eyes. And that's what we see going on here in this passage speaking of that same process. And so there is an element here where if you don't come to Christ the way you ought to, sincerely and honestly, then those truths are going to be hidden to you. You don't come to Jesus Christ and you don't try to trip him up. You don't try to catch him in a lie. No, you come to him honestly seeking because if you don't come honestly seeking truth, you're not going to go away with it. In chapter 10, verse 21 here in the passage that we're reading, there's a couple things. First of all, Jesus rejoiced. We see Jesus rejoicing. But then second of all, we see that he was in complete submission to the will of his Father. He said, he said Thou hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemeth good in thy sight. Whatever you say, God, whatever you want, God, whatever you decide, that's the best. That's it. That's what's right. That's what's best. That's what I agree with that. If you, that's what you want, then that's what I want. 
I'm in total submission. I'm in total surrender to you, Lord. Uh, Lord God of heaven, to the Father he was. And as a result of that, he could rejoice in the Spirit. He could find joy. I'll tell you what, when we fail to follow the Lord, when we begin to start to dictate and determine what God should say and do and how he should be responding in the situation and circumstances we find ourselves in, then my friend, you're not going to find any kind of joy. The moment that you and I decide that we know better than God what should be taking place and how it ought to go, that's the very moment that we're miserable. Not only that, but we'll be very tempted to question his authority, we'll be tempted to question his ability, and we'll be tempted to question his love for us even. The fact is, is we have to just be willing to wholeheartedly jump in with both feet and say, God, you know what? Let me just say this, Lord, to you. For so it seemeth good in thy sight. For so it seemeth good in thy sight. If that's what you want for me, then I guess I'm okay with that. If that's what you want for my family, then I guess I'm okay with that. I'm just going to accept it. I'm going to allow you to be God. Boy, I'll tell you what, until we can get there, there's no joy. And someone says, boy, I don't want to tell God that. I'm afraid of what he might do. Like we're ever going to really keep God from doing what he wants to anyway. But I'll tell you what, just maybe if we would really be broken like that and we'd come to that conclusion, maybe he wouldn't have to put us through these hard times. Maybe we could avoid them. You know, it's a funny thing. I've never had to spank a child that was obedient. You know what, son? You've not been uh, disobeying enough, and I want you to know what a spanking feels like. (laughs) That's not how it works, right? You don't do that. So I wonder sometimes if we don't, because of fear of what God may call us to do or want us to do or may situation he may put us through, we sometimes, if we're not careful, we're a little bit hesitant to really surrender or yield, almost as if that's going to keep him from doing something. I say, we, we might as well just say, Lord, I'm yours to do it as you please. I'm in full submission, full surrender. And boy, joy will find its way into your life. His joy was complete joy because he had continued submission to the will of the Father in heaven. And when we can accept suffering from his hand, notice I said when we can. When we can accept that as well as the pleasures that God gives us, then our joy will be full indeed. All right, now let's see if we can figure this out. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 Cross out 1021 by the Holy Spirit. There it is, by the Holy Spirit. That's our last one. Now, in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, the Bible says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. See, Christ dwells in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And when we think about the Holy Spirit, we can't help but go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Love, joy. The Holy Spirit, God in the person of the Holy Ghost, lives in us, and He is joy. The fruit of His, His presence is joy. When Christ in us is alive and we allow Him to have preeminence in our lives, We allow him to sit on the throne of our life. We yield ourselves wholeheartedly to him. We present ourselves without reservation. The fruit of the Spirit is the result. And that's joy. It includes joy. It's all one fruit. You'll have it all. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, we have to be very careful that we don't quench or grieve the Spirit of God. We have to be very careful with that. Because if we do, we're not going to experience this abiding joy in our life. Now, about a week ago or so, um, I, I built a fire. You know, we got, you ever have those one little fire pits, you know, little round thing? I, I, I didn't have a big fire pit out in the yard or anything like that. The neighbor has that. I don't. But uh, I had one of them little ones. And so I stacked it up, got the fire going. It's kind of a bummer right now because it's got big holes in the bottom. So all the fire falls through. But, 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 but it's, get, you know, it's all right. It's no big deal, right? You know, you got a little on the ground, a little on the top. You know, it works, right? So I got this fire started, you know, and man, it was, it was going well. It was really good. And so uh, we had, uh, I think, I think uh, Josh and Sarah was over and Macy, she was over there. We was using Macy as she was holding on to the sticks and, you know, lighting, getting, you know, doing all the marshmallows. I was letting her blow the marshmallows out for me and stuff. No, I wasn't. You guys are, you know, no, she's a little too little, right? Okay, so anyway, so we were doing, we were doing s'mores, all right? We're doing s'mores. And we're trying to, you know, marshmallows, s'mores, the whole deal. Man, it was a great time. It was really fun. That thing worked out well for us. It was before that real hot weather, so, so I'm all right. But anyway, so we had that fire going. And well, at the end of the night, everybody leaves, and it's time to go home. And, and so here I am. I'm looking outside, and the fire's still going. And I'm, Sherry says, you know, I think you ought to probably do something with that just to make sure it doesn't, like, catch anything on fire. I said, I ought to be all right. And she said, no, nah, I think you ought to probably do something. And I said, all right. So I got a bunch of water, you know, and I went out there and I took that water and I went whoosh, right on that fire. And went, all that smoke flew up. I just poured water right on that fire. You know what I did? I quenched it. I quenched it. I threw water on it. I quenched the fire. Do you, know, do you know what it means to quench, the, or to, to quench the spirit? It means to throw water on the fire. That's what it really means. See, when we don't allow the spirit to be seen in our, our, our actions, when we do really what we shouldn't be doing, when we know it's wrong, when, when we don't allow the spirit to reveal himself in the way that, well, he wants to in our lives, we quench the spirit. He also says you can't, you can't grieve the Spirit. We can't do that. Listen, you can't quench the Spirit, throw water on the fire of the Holy Ghost in your life, and expect to experience joy when He's the giver of joy. Love, joy, peace. He's the fruit of the, the, fruit of the Spirit. It's a result of Him. And you got Christ in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. You can't throw water on the fire and expect to have joy, but you can't grieve Him either. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. See, grieve means to, 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 to break his heart. You can't, you can't break his heart and expect to have abiding joy in your life. Now, to understand what it really means to, to grieve the Spirit, you've got to first understand a very important principle. You've got to understand that only a person can be grieved. Did, did you get that? That's important. Only a person can be grieved. You know, therefore, with that, that truth understood, the Spirit, in the passage, he's identified then as a divine person. A person. And as a person, he has personality and he has emotions. Now, you can understand what it is to be grieved because we've all been grieved, right? I mean, I think about 
as a parent, you know, every one of us, if, if we've had children, you know what it is when your children disobey you. It grieves you. You know what it is when they rebel against your authority. It grieves you. You know what it is when they, when, they, when they say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. You know what it is when you go to the, the grocery store and they act up in the front of everybody and, and not only does it upset you, but it grieves you, I hope. It grieves you. Well, you know what? The Bible outlines what grieves, grieves God. You know what it grieves Him? The same things that grieve you with your children. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 19, he, 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 he is grieved when we live like the lost. It goes on in that same chapter a number of places to say, he's grieved when we lie. He's grieved when we're being angry. He's grieved when we're stealing. He grieves when we're cursing. He grieves when we're bitter. He grieves when we're unforgiving. He, he grieves when we're being immoral. Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, the God, the Father of the creation of all the world, is grieved, the Holy Spirit is grieved when we don't obey him. We follow our own flesh instead of his spirit. Boy, the spirit's grieved. And so when we act out in sinful, a sinful manner, whether it's just in our mind or whether it's in our body too, doesn't matter. He's grieved. And you know, we're never going to experience abiding joy as long as we are grieving the Holy Spirit. So you say, I, I want abiding joy. And you know what? I do too. Can I tell you that abiding joy in the world we live in, I don't believe is as easy to find as we think it is? Well, it should be easy, shouldn't it? I mean, it's simple, right? I mean, let's just be honest. It ought to be real simple. Make God big in my life, then I should have joy. And you know what? That's true. And it is that simple. God's got to be big in our life. We've got to let Christ have rulership and su- supremacy in our heart. We've got to let him sit on the throne of our life. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a devil that's alive and well today. Boy, does he like to just, we used to use the term years ago, he liked to turn the screws on us and, and tighten things up. You know, there used to be a, I, I don't want to go into it, I don't have time. But anyway, there was a means by which you could uh, torture somebody in the past. They'd tighten the screws. Well, anyway, he does that to us. He makes it difficult. He really messes with our minds. He puts things in our pathway that causes us to stumble. But you know what? It is still just that simple too. Boy, we need to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to get caught up in all the mess that he brings in our lives. We have to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, let's make sure, let's make sure that we have him first. Let's make sure that we're in his word, reading it, studying it, memorizing it. Let's make sure we're submitting to him, yielding to him. Let's make sure that we're allowing the Holy Spirit of God to direct and lead us. We've got to put Christ in preeminence in his rightful place. And when he is big, our problems shrink. Let's make sure that God is big in our life. And then we'll know what abiding joy is. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the simplicity of your word. We thank you for the opportunity we've had just to to be a part of this service today. And Lord, we thank you for just how practical the Word of God is yet today. It's still practical. 
May you, Father, use it in our lives. May you help us. Maybe someone's going through some tough times. Lord, I know, I know folks in this church. I know folks that are going through, I mean, a battle. But Lord, I also know so many of them had a sweet spirit through it all and continue to do so. But Lord, I'm sure that even in the midst of the best spirit, even in the midst of the most yielded, the devil gets in and tries to steal our joy. He does it in my life. He does it in every life. But Lord, help us to make you big, to keep you big. May we not allow our lives to, 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 to slip away from you. May we keep focused on you. Be big in our lives, that joy might be reigning in our lives, abiding joy. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's